Hello everyone and welcome back to Gems with Genesis Mars Kemp. Today I'll be chatting with Robert Riopel and we're going to talk about clues to success or we may change it as we unpack this fruitful conversation but I definitely want to welcome Robert to the stage because he's a man on a mission. He's an author and he has incredible things going for him but who better can explain Robert than Robert. So Robert thank you so much for being here today. Excuse the loss of my voice. It's coming back and take some time to introduce yourself to the audience as well as the viewers. Oh, you know, Jennifer, thank you so much. And and as we were discussing off screen or off recording, I am laughing with you on your voice because I totally experience it, know what you're going through. And it tells me about you that you play full out. When it's time to celebrate, you celebrate. And with it just, you know, at the time of our recording here, just being July 4th for you in the U.S., I know how important celebrations are. So thank you for being a person that plays full on. I feel absolutely blessed to be here on your podcast. And as for who I am, like you said, I'm an international best-selling author. I'm also an app designer. I'm a serial entrepreneur. And I'm also um, a trainer that has been blessed to travel around the world several times and personally trained over half a million people from all different countries. I think I've been in over 30 countries. And people go, hey, that's cool. But, you know, have, has it always been that way? And has it been easy for you? And I want to say, uh, no. <laughs> you know, I, like everybody else, I've started with some, um, I came in with a, a family that's a very in-the-box thinking family. And I will be the first to admit, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have amazing people in my life. And probably the most amazing person is my amazing wife, who we met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. And we got married when we were 19, and we've just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. And if it wasn't for her, I would be comfortably miserable. And I, you heard that right. I'd be comfortably miserable in a job. Because with my upbringing, it was you stay within the box. You don't question. You don't try to figure something out different. Even if you hate what you're doing, you do it if it's taking care of your family. And so that was a big one for me. And you know what I respectfully say to people who like to put people in a box or some people who think that the box is where they're meant to be or where they'll always be. I tell them, screw the box. You weren't born in a box. You're going to be in a box whenever the it's time for you to pass on out the world. So why are you playing it safe by being in a box? I said, if you want a box now, are you ready to meet your maker? Because there's plenty of coffins at the funeral home. But until then, you should live your life to the full. Oh, I love that, and I've never heard it that way. That's so true, especially that you're going to be in a box. And so, yeah, that, how true that is. And and thank you for that because that. But see, that was my upbringing. That's what I thought how it had to be done. And because my wife, here's what we tell people: I was actually innocent, Genesis. I was innocent until I met my wife, really? and she corrupted me. Yes, actually, and she corrupted me in great ways. Because she taught me to think outside the box. She taught me to not just take it as a status quo, to ask the question, well, why is it that way? And so when we got together, we got married. Um, right shortly after we got married, 
I got laid off from my third job. I was working in a factory that I thought I was going to work for for 40 years because they had a lot of factories around North America. So imagine my surprise when they called me into the office and said, you're laid off as of Friday because we're shutting the factory down. And where I live, when the economy oil prices aren't doing well, we can't find work. There's no economy here. So out of necessity and from what I was taught, I did something to until I found that real job, I decided to start delivering pizzas so I could support my family. And I started driving for Domino's Pizza. And from being a pizza delivery driver, a few months later, I became actually a manager because of my work ethic. When my um, franchisee bought another, he traded his one store for two stores. I said, well, you've got two stores now if you need a manager. And people go, well, that's brilliant. But really it was done on a necessity because I was fearing being laid off again because I thought the new owner would come in and lay off the whole team. So I thought, how do I prevent that? Well, why don't I see about being a manager? And I became a manager, my wife became my assistant. And what did we start doing? We started working hard, open to close seven days a week. A year and a bit in, I'm now qualified to be a franchisee. And I don't know if you know much about Domino's Pizza, but in Domino's Pizza, you can't just buy a franchise. You actually have to successfully manage a store, meeting a bunch of criteria for at least a year. And then you qualify as a franchisee, which means they waive the upfront franchise fee, which saves you a lot of money, but you still have to be able to afford to buy a store or build a store. And so we're now qualified and we get the news that my franchisee realized he'd made a bad move trading a really good store for two stores that weren't doing well. And he ended up with double overhead and he decided I'm out of Domino's Pizza. So he's gonna sell his stores. I went into fear mode because again, also I'm looking going, we know we've now been in long enough, we've watched enough stores change hands that the team that does get let go is always the managers because a new owner comes in wants to do it with their own team. And so my mindset went, honey, we need to start talking to other franchisees. We've got to find a new job. And she looked at me and she goes, why don't we just buy the store that we're working in? And I looked at her and I'm like, because we have no money. <laughs> like, hello. And she was stepping out on faith. That's right. And, and we, one of the things we do possess is passion. And she said, well, we don't have money. So let's find out how do you buy a business with no money? And so we started making a lot of, I won't, I don't call them failures or mistakes anymore. I call them learning curves because anytime something doesn't work, if you look for the lesson and then you adjust, then it's a, a learning and which means it's a win. And so we had a lot of learning curves over the next few months. Well, we would talk to people and I might come to someone and say you were a, a, a broker that found financing. And you'd say, Robert, I'm going to get you and Roxanne the financing for your store. My upfront fee is $1,000. And I guarantee I'll find you someone that'll invest and, and help you buy the stores. So we pay them the $1,000 that we didn't have. And all of a sudden they come back, oh, I'm sorry. There's no one that can actually, um, that wants to take this risk. And we'd be out $1,000. And we learned something every time until we had the confidence to speak to our own bank. We could have easily, and, and I want to be clear, I want to be very transparent with your audience. I wanted to quit so many times, but my wife wouldn't let us. She wouldn't let us be defeated. And every time we learned something new, we gained a little more confidence. We now knew what to say, what not to say. And it came down to we're sitting in our bank and we're talking to our bank manager. 
And I'm going to also say this to your listeners, especially if you're in business, even if you're not, maintain great relationships with your bank and the managers and the people. Don't be that problem um, client that, you know, I'm the client of yours. You should be doing everything for me. Be just like anybody else. Golden rule. Treat others like you like to be treated. And so she had helped us buy our house. She loved us because we were 23. She knew we worked hard. She knew we had a passion to want to buy a store. And we had just bought our first home. And so we're in her office talking to her. And she said, you know, how's it going on, on your buying of the stores? And we said, it's not going good. Here's the roadblocks we're running into. And she said, well, have you talked to Grant, our business manager? And we're like, no, we can't even get an appointment with him. We can't even, because back then it, you had to know someone really to go see the, the um, business manager. And she's like, pardon me? You can't, talk, you haven't talked to him? We're like, no. She goes, come with me. We stand up. She takes our hands and walks us across the branch. She knocks on the door and she says, hey, Grant, do you have a minute? And he's like, yeah. So this is Robert Roxanne Riopel. They're two amazing, hardworking kids that are looking to buy a Domino's pizza that they manage. Take care of them. And because of that introduction, all of a sudden he's like, come on in, let's see what we can do. And because we knew what to say and what not to say and how to approach it, all of a sudden, next thing you know, the bank not only gave us a loan to buy the store we were working in, we ended up buying both stores that my franchisee had for sale and they gave us 100% financing for it. Wow, that's incredible. And as you were sharing that testimony and that part of your story that you and Roxanne went through, some things that jumped out was persistent. It also mm -hmm. talked about feedback because you took the lessons that you learned, which you like to call learning curves, and you grew from there and you knew how to scale up to get to your next level. You also pivoted. So that was another amazing part that really stood out to me. And then the fact that you network and you build those rapports with the people inside your bank shows that you know how to go about building those relationships with internal as well as external stakeholders. And it's those relationships and rapport that help take us to the next level in our journey. But we Absolutely. Have we have to not be afraid because you mentioned that you wanted to quit, but Roxanne knew there was a bigger purpose for you and her as a power couple and as a team. And she says, I'm not going to let my star player throw in the towel when the going gets tough. No, right. we're going to rise like yeast, as my husband would say, rise like yeast. And we're going to go in there and we're going to make those boss moves. And if we fail or if we do those slips, trips, and falls, we're going to get back up because we know how to take a licking and keep on ticking because we are in this for the long haul. And I would yes. love for Roxanne to come on this on the screen, but I know she's doing her stuff in the, in the back end. But it's just so amazing that you have that strong support system and that person to push you along because they say iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's a saying that people have, and a lot of people um, go by that behind every great man there's a great woman. And you've heard that, I'm sure, Genesis. And my question for you is, is do you believe that to be true? 
I 100% believe that to be true because sometimes when my husband is feeling down and out, like I'll do my best to encourage him and speak life into him and pull him out of that rut. Because if I don't do it, then I don't want somebody else to pump my husband's head up with garbage or things that he does not need to take on in his spirit and his aura. So at the end of the day, I need to salute my husband and just like he would salute me as his wife. And he told me, the other day a king is no a queen is a reflection of a king but then I remix it and I said well a queen is a reflection of a king or a king is a reflection of his queen it could go both ways but you know the male is the head of the household and women are supposed to be submissive but we're not supposed to be you know floor mats or anything like that and at the end of the day we're building together because it's about our empire and our legacy. Yeah, and, and that's why I actually do not agree with that statement. I don't agree with this statement. See, to me, it's beside every great man is a great woman. That's the way I look at it. There's no behind to me because you do. See, one of the greatest gifts my wife gives me is she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. Meaning she's my greatest cheerleader when I'm down but she's also the one that kicks me in the butt when she needs me to step up. And that's a gift I give her as well. Because, you know, left to my own devices, I wouldn't be that comfortably miserable person in a job. But because of her willingness to have those conversations that sometimes when I'm going through self-doubt, when I'm thinking it can't be done, she's the one that says, yeah, it can, and let's get it done. And three very powerful questions we're always asking ourselves whether we're doing stuff individually, together with teams, it's always what worked when we complete something. What worked? And we make a list. Then we ask, now what did not work? And we make a list. And then the third thing is, so what are we going to do different? Because some of the greatest lessons come from what did not work, as we were talking about earlier. And so, you know, we're now franchisees, and it's like, we've got it made, right? But what we didn't realize is, Genesis, we knew how to run a store. But we didn't necessarily know how to run a business. And let me be clear, that's two totally different things. And in the beginning, because we didn't know how to run a business, our whole thing was if there's money in the bank, we must be doing okay in our store. When we realized two years later, when we actually started getting caught up on bookkeeping because we tried to do the bookkeeping ourselves because we could not afford a bookkeeper or an accountant, oh my goodness, some of the learning curves from that. We probably should have been bankrupt within our first six or seven months of being owners. But we didn't know what we didn't know. And to us, it was like, there's money in the bank. We must be doing okay. And we were too tenacious to stop. And so when we started learning about running the business and we started actually making some pretty good money, well, our financial programming inside of us from what we learned as kids, we started spending more money than we were earning. And by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're now over $150,000 in debt and going down quickly. And that's where, out of necessity, well, I won't say necessity, um, synchronicity, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it, we were introduced to personal development, a training where a three days changed our life. Because we walked in completely stressed out, frustrated. And I don't know if you've ever experienced financial stress, but it's one of the worst stresses out there that I've experienced. And we walk out, walk in stressed. And through the three days, we learned why we were in debt. We took ownership that we created the debt. 
and we're the ones responsible to get ourselves out of it. And then some, we learn specific skills to actually do that. And when we walked out of that three days in June of 2001, we didn't do what most people unfortunately do. We didn't look back and go, oh, that was a nice weekend and do nothing with it. We set out our plan. We said, what actions are we going to take? You know, in my book, Success Left a Clue, I talk about six life-changing habits. And one of those habits is successful people take action. That's step number three right there. And so we decided to take some actions and we put them into practice. We said, here's what we learned. Let's actually use them in life. And also next thing you know, we go from being over $150,000 in debt to actually being retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. That is amazing. And in your book, Success Left a Clue, how did you come up with the name of your book? And would you say that your six steps in the book are based on all the trials and errors and the learning curves that you went through? And as we, oh, I'll, I'll stop there and then I'll ask one more question <laughs> as we begin to wind down. Yeah, because yeah, you just hit me with a lot of questions and it's and I'm laughing because this book was actually a procrastination write. This book, I first thought of writing a book in 2002. Didn't know exactly what I wanted to write about, but someone said, you want to write a book? I'm like, that sounds awesome. And it went through a number of... Hold up the book again, because I want the viewers to really get a good glimpse of it. Success left a clue, purple background. Rob is over there snapping his hands or sliding the money through. And well, what that is, is I'm not on stage for giving people clues and I'll actually have my whole audience put their fingers like this to get their fingers and thumbs. I'll have them raise their hands and I'll have them do it in a voice where they go, give us a clue. And so I love when they do the deep voice. And when you have a thousand or more people doing that, I don't care who you are, Genesis. It feels awesome when you're on the stage. <laughs> oh, wait, let me try it because my voice is gone. So maybe I'll sound right. perfect. Yep. Okay. Coach me. Fingers so, up. Fingers like that and put your hands up like this. And go, give us a clue. Give me a clue. <laughs> you did well. You did oh, well. Wow. Your voice going away. <laughs> yes. Let me try. So give us a clue. Ooh, I can't even go that low because my voice. But continue, Rob. <laughs> so, it was procrastination. Right? I went through a couple different names. And it was perfect. It took 15 years from when I thought of the idea to when I actually published it. And I even, um, during three and a half years that I took off as a break because I was burnt out, um, I was overlooking my passion and I wasn't taking care of myself. So I, I not only got burnt out, but I ended up going through two back surgeries as a trainer because I wasn't taking care of myself on stage. And during that time, I wrote the book and I had the, the manuscript ready, but I still didn't release it in about 2012, 2013 when it was done. I let it sit there a little bit longer. And then when we finally, I made the decision, it's time to get serious. And in 2017, I said, okay, we're launching the book. I actually went back and from my new experiences and, and everything I'd gone through, I actually rewrote half the book. And the name came up because from all my travels around the world, I started seeing those clues that successful people were leaving. I started seeing what did they have in common? What makes them different from unsuccessful people? And so that's where I came up with the six steps of what really successful people have in common that they're doing consciously, subconsciously, 
automatically, habitually. It's a habit that they started with and then they created the habit and they did it again and again and again. And so when I wrote the book, I then also went, you know what? If step number three is action because people are missing that, then I'm not gonna just make it a book that you read. You go, that was nice, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. I decided I didn't wanna do that. So I made it, oh good, I see you smiling, you got my joke. Not many people do get my jokes, they're a little crazy. But I decided to make it a workbook. So when people go through it, I'll give them action steps. And I'll actually say, don't read any further until you take this act, do this action. And then the next chapter will say, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading now, go back, complete the action. Because people are creatures of habit. It's a fairly easy book to read. And I'll tell you, people go, can it be that simple? And I say, yes, do not, do not let the simplicity fool you. Because if you're thinking it's too simple, you're gonna, mind's gonna try and make it more complicated. And then you're gonna struggle. In fact, one of the clues, hang on, let's see if we can get you to do this. Give us a clue. Yeah, and she did it with her mic off so that we didn't hear the with the mic the on. Give us a clue. <laughs> Excellent. Well, have you ever noticed, Genesis, that people, when they learn something and they learn a system, their mind automatically wants to reinvent it. They want to do it their way. Have you ever noticed that? Yes, because they want to do it the way that they're comfortable doing versus being stretched outside of their comfort zone. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. And the other reason is because they don't even realize that they've been conditioned all their life to have to figure things out on their own. Um, like in school, look, if someone did something and you were to model, copy what they did, you were called a cheater. And so they started ingraining, I can't cheat, I can't cheat, I can't cheat. And so the greatest way to have success when you come into the real world is to find something that someone's done well, find out how they did it and model, copy what they did. But then the subconscious goes, no, then I'll be a cheater. I can't do that. So their mind says, well, I have to do it my way then. I have to figure it out on my own. And so when I, my clue is this, if you're going to reinvent the wheel, do it later. Do it later. Get successful first. Follow the system. Use the system, no matter how simple it seems. Use it. Get the success, because at least now you have the success. And once you're successful, then if you still want to reinvent the wheel, go ahead, because at least you have the success. And that makes perfect sense, because people who are already successful, they've been where you are and they've mastered it. So what are the six steps in your book from a high level? And then we'll wind down so the listeners can know how to reach you. Yeah, absolutely. Step number one is to dream, but not dream, dream big. When we were children, everything was possible. You could be, you could be a doctor one day, an astronaut the next day, a truck driver the next day, but then society started teaching us to be realistic. You know, you're not from the right family. You weren't born, you, you don't have the right knowledge. You're not smart enough, whatever it is. And so I want people to start dreaming big again and use vision boards. This is why I love vision boards. Step two, find a mentor or someone to model. Because again, unless you're a Jeff Bezos or you're an Elon Musk, I, chances are whatever you want to accomplish, someone's done it before you. So find a mentor model. But this one comes with a twist to it as well, Genesis. See, it's not just who can I mentor from, who can I model from? It's also asking yourself, who can I 
be a mentor to? Who can I add value to? But Robert, I'm not there yet. I'm not successful. Maybe not yet, but you've done something that maybe you've overcome something that someone else is struggling with. So if you can help them get through it, is that valuable? Absolutely. So that one's always a double-edged sword because I don't want, it's not just about taking, it's about how can I be of service at the same time? Be in service. Step number three, we talked about take action. I love the saying, one step in the right direction is worth a thousand years of thinking about it. Ooh, wait, say that again, because you just dropped a really good gem there. <laughs> one, step. one step in the right direction is worth a thousand years of thinking about it. Ooh, listeners, yeah. grab hold of that and let it marinate in. Because how many people think themselves out of success, right? They overthink. So take action. The fourth step is the one that people can have great dreams. They can have the greatest mentors in the world. They even take action. But then they sabotage themselves and they don't even know why. It's because they missed step number four. Step number four is celebrate. Celebrate your successes. And that's why I have a success journal. Every day I start, I wake up, I write down at least five successes. And over the years, it's, it's kind of graduated. It's five successes or gratitudes. It can be a combination. Things and people I'm grateful for in my life. So that there's a universal principle that says what you focus on expands. And so most people wake up grumpy. I don't want to get up. I hate my job. Why am I doing this? And they wonder why they have a struggle during the day. By waking up, I'm always aware of what's my first thoughts. And if it's not supportive, I catch it quickly, let it go. And I go to my success journal and I start writing down my successes from the day before, what I'm grateful for in my life. And now I start on a much more powerful, powerful place for the day. So celebrate your successes. Step number five is to own who you are. Own your greatness. Really, you know, believe in yourself. Because one of the biggest things I've seen that people suffer from, including me, I'm pointing at myself right now, is low self-esteem sometimes. And so when you, when you believe in yourself, and not talking about ego, I'm talking in confidence, not arrogance. A great friend of mine, Les Brown, says, you know, you have greatness in you. And we all do. You know, Les Brown, maybe Brown's favorite boy, you got to be great. I love that, man. Yes, and, and he always. He started off. Sorry, go I'm ahead. Sorry, Doug. And I was gonna add, he always says, "You gotta be hungry." Yeah, you gotta be hungry. And he started off as a mentor of mine, and then all of a sudden, I ended up becoming a mentor to him as well. And we became great friends, and that's why when I wrote my book, if you notice, forward by Les Brown, because that gentleman, when I asked him, I called him up. And I said, "Les, I'm ready to release my book finally." I said, would you do me the pleasure of being writing the forward? And he's like, I'd be honored. I'd be honored. And what an amazing man. And who, who was I to think I could actually mentor him? But he came to a training that I was running. He was a guest speaker. We sat down over dinner and I taught him some marketing techniques that we were doing. And he got back on the stage in front of my students. He said, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. He says, in the last 20 years, I've made $22 million. He said, with what Robert just taught me in the last 45 minutes, I'm going to make $22 million more in the next couple of years. This man's now my mentor. And like, I could never have dreamed that. 
See, when you dream big, you open the space for miracles and amazing things to come into your life, plain and simple. And that helps elevate your belief in yourself. And then step, step number six surprises people with how simple it is because step number six is simply repeat the first five steps. And the reason that works, Genesis, is because picture this. And for those who aren't on video, picture I have my hand in the air and I'm about to go in a circle. When you dream big, then you find someone to mentor model from. And that then you take action and then you celebrate your success. It's going to increase the belief in yourself, which then allows you to have bigger dreams, find greater mentors, take greater actions, bigger celebrations, more belief in yourself. And it becomes a beautiful perpetual circle. That is so amazing. And that circle is better than doing things over and over that don't work because that's insanity. But when you know a system works and you practice it over and over and you see the results and the fruits of your labor, that's how you know you're on the right track. But if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have a mentor or mentors, if you don't take action, if you don't celebrate your successes, your big wins, and if you don't repeat, then can you achieve the level of success that Rob Riopel and Roxanne Riopel have? And his book is entitled Success Left a Clue. But in this thing, we flipped it, Rob, and we said clues to success because those clues are those learning curves that were giving us the pathway to success. Which Absolutely. Is- I totally agree. And look, even the original title of my book was going to be 321 Rich because I had a formula that I came up with that if you want to have success in your life, always have three coaches, at least three coaches in your life. There could be a fitness coach, a health coach, a relationship coach, a spiritual coach, but have at least three coaches in your life. Also have at least two mentors in your life. Now, a mentor, people go, what's the difference between a coach and a mentor? Well, a coach is someone who's there to coach you, ask you questions, guide you on the journey. A mentor is someone who's accomplished something that you want to accomplish. So when I mentor trainers, because in 18 plus years, I've done over $100 million in sales from the stage. So I know how to do sales from the stage. So as a mentor, I'm not there about going, okay, Genesis, where, what do you really want? Where are you at? I'm there to say, okay, Genesis, if you want to get where I'm at, do this, do this, do this. When you've done it, you come back and talk to me. But until you've done it and you put in the work, don't come talk to me. And it sounds harsh, but really a mentor is a person who's gone where you want to go and they usually don't have the time to coddle you and take you along. But if you have two mentors in your life all the time and you don't always, people go, well, Robert, some of the greatest mentors are no longer with us. Well, then find their books their trainings, their autobiographies, learn from them somehow, get creative. And then the one is have, be part of at least one mastermind. When Napoleon Hill coined the phrase in 1930 or 1926 in one of his original books, and then he expounded on it in Think and Grow Rich in 1937, he talked about the mastermind group because two and more minds are much greater than one. And so what you can't, as Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. You referred to that earlier, right? So now when you're in a mastermind, this is where you can say, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm struggling. And now you get the perspective of different people, which allows you then to solve greater problems and go, oh, I never looked at it that way. So if you have three coaches, two mentors, and be part of at least one mastermind, 
you will be rich in all areas of your life. Because I want to wrap it up by saying this, Genesis. When I talk about wealth, I talk about rich, I talk about success, it's not just money. Because we aren't just about money. You have to, we are holistic beings. You have to worry, work on the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial. The one area that, or two areas that you don't focus on are the areas that are going to sabotage the rest. So having rich relationships, rich health, rich connection with God, all these areas covered, that's when you're truly wealthy to me. And that is so, so true because your health is wealth. How can you achieve wealth if you're not healthy? Because you're not going to have the stamina that you need. If you need that spiritual guidance, but you're not taking time to establish that vertical relationship, then can you honestly say that you are getting the clues and the downloads in the spiritual realm to help you here in the natural realm? But no, you have time to establish horizontal relationship with people and things but you're forgetting about the one who created you so Mm -hmm. that's and financial if you don't know how to really manage your finances then you could easily put yourself in what some people say the poor home poverty level or whatever but in order to think rich and be rich you must know your relationship with money and not everything is a want and not everything is a need. So know the difference between the two. And then oh, yeah. I guess self-care is so important too, which would be the physical part because sometimes we forget to love ourselves and loving ourselves comes with self-awareness and self-worth. And then the other thing you mentioned is emotional. And I love that you said emotional because Our minds sometimes can be a battlefield because we're battling good thoughts versus bad thoughts. And (laughs) Joyce Meyer has a book out on it, The Battlefield of the Mind. So I love how you summarized everything. And if you could um, please tell the listeners as well as the viewers how they could connect with you, Robert. That will be amazing. Oh, you know, easiest couple of ways. One on Facebook. Follow my fan page. Just put my name in Robert Realpel. You'll find my fan page. Follow my journeys as I'm going along there. Like my fan page. Unfortunately, don't send me a friend request. Facebook won't let me accept any more friends. <laughs> Max me out. But you can like my fan page and follow me along. And then also, Genesis, as a gift, I am writing my second book, The Authority Key, right now. And it's been four years since I put out Success Left a Clue. So as a gift to your listeners for you having me on your podcast, if they go to robertrealpel.com, just my name, robertrealpel.com, they're actually going to be able to download the digital version of this book as our gift to them. Now, remembering it's a workbook. So all they have to do is go to robertrealpel.com and download it and start using it. Start working through the six steps. Because I, I want to help as many people as I can have that fulfilled life in all the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial. And this book will help people do that. As long as they don't let the simplicity fool them, as long as they do the action step and they actually put it in practice, they'll be amazed at what they can create in their life. So that's the other way that people can then stay in touch with me. That is amazing, Robert. And I want to thank you so much for blessing the listeners, the viewers, as well as the fans that are going to come later on with that information, because it's so important that we spend time building ourselves so we could 
be that person that leaves a mark in society. And that comes by taking steps and choosing to take a risk on us so we can leave a mark for future generations to come because you never know how the actions you take today are going to show up present in the future. Yeah, and the beautiful part is you don't have to know how. You just be you. You live that greatness. You allow your light to shine and watch what's possible. And viewers, there you have it. You just heard Robert Riopel all the way from Canada here on Gems with Genesis Amaris Camp. All of his information will be in the show notes. And if you like what you heard, don't be afraid to share with your family and friends so they can get blessed and acquire some new knowledge. And before I forget, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as subscribe to our podcast channel so you can have double doses of gems with Genesis and Mars Kemp, as well as hear from amazing people all over the world that take time out of their day to share their knowledge with you. Until we chat next time, please stand by.